Good morning. No matter who you are and where you come from, welcome. Uh, I pray that you would feel welcome here this morning, that this is your church. Uh, We're starting this series called Hidden Christmas, why the birth of Christ is incomparably important. Uh, How many of you, before we get started, uh, have unused gift cards from a last Christmas? Raise your hands by a show of hands. Okay, maybe 30%. Uh, I'm told the average house has $300 in unused, forgotten about gift cards. How many of you will still probably purchase gift cards this Christmas? Uh, Yeah, most of us. Uh, These cards, misplaced, uh, thrown out, maybe partially used. Uh, I'm told that between 2005 and 2011 amount to $41 billion. So $41 billion unused, uh, forgotten about. Uh, In the same way, the gift of Christ's birth uh, is often just forgotten about. Christmas, but we forget Christ. Uh, Jesus Christ is hidden in the celebration of Christmas. Uh, Rightly so, there's many gifts that will be uh, talked about, purchased, used this Christmas. Uh, But the next four Sundays, we're going to look at the gift of the birth of Christ. Uh, Why is this gift so important? God didn't have to become small. Uh, God could have just appeared, given us some teaching, and uh, went back home. Uh, Instead, God writes himself into history, becoming a baby. The child in Mary is none other than God himself. Like, this is crazy. Like, think about this. God himself is becoming human. Need to pause. We need to stop. Like the one who flung planets into space is becoming small, helpless, dependent. Can the meaning and importance of this ever be understood? Uh, This gift uh, is true. Yes, God is with us. And if this is true, then there's hope. For our world, and we need to own this hope and use it for day to day events like death. Uh, We can't simply leave this hope, this gift forgotten about, like the unused gift cards. Uh, So this morning we're going to look at hope. Uh, But before we do, uh, let's pray. We're going to look at the cost of hoping in Christ and the courage that's necessary, and the comfort that comes from this hope. But let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit, show us the hidden Christ in Christmas. Give us spiritual eyes to see. What exactly do you want each one of us here to see? Speak. Your servants were listening. May the words of my mouth, may the meditations of each of our hearts be 
holy and pleasing to you. Amen. Matthew 1, 18 to 25. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered doing this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to call him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. In this message, we're going to look at Joseph and how he, uh, how he had to take on hope. Uh, we'll look at, first, the cost of his hope. The cost of his hope in God. With certain people, there can be costs associated just with being with them. And I asked Kloss permission to say this. So, Fanny, there's a cost to being associated with Kloss, right? Right? Like, like you, you, can't, you can't just get out of this church after the service. I see time and time again, Fanny's just waiting and Kloss is just talking, and Fanny's just waiting. There's a cost associated with being with this man. Uh, being associated with Jesus, there's a cost. Uh, there's a cost. Uh, Joseph, we read, it's kind of a passing reference at the end of this text, but he doesn't get to consummate his marriage until after Jesus is born. Anyone who's had to practice celibacy with the person you love knows that there's a cost there. Uh, there's a cost that Joseph has to pay because Mary has Jesus inside of her. Uh, there's other costs associated uh, with Joseph being connected to Jesus. Uh, one commentator says, and I'll read this slowly, the angel tells Joseph what he is, what he is to name his boy. So Joseph doesn't get to choose the name for his own kid. In that patriarchal culture, it was the father's absolute right to name his kid. He had complete rights over his children. And the naming was a sign of his control, his control over the family. The angel, however, takes that away, refusing uh, to let, by refusing to let him name his son, the angel saying, if Jesus is in your life, you're not his manager. This child who's about to be born is your manager. So the angel says to Joseph, in a sense, you don't get to name him. In many ways, he's going to name you. Uh, you don't get to control him. In many ways, he's going to control you. There's a cost that Joseph must pay to be associated with Jesus. Joseph had to count the cost. He didn't get to name his own son. He didn't get to have sexual relations with his own wife in the first months of their marriage. What's the application to you and I? So what? 
there's a cost for us, too, to be with Jesus. You may want to live in Niagara-on-the-Lake. Jesus might call you to live in India, like what Luke has had to do, or to live just on the wrong side of the tracks. Uh, You may find your neighbor or your friend or someone in this church just absolutely unbearable. Someone on your hockey team, if you're Devin, right? You may find that unbearable, but Jesus may be calling you to love that person. There's a cost associated to being connected to Jesus. You may really want to be single, but you're called to be married. You may really want to be married, but you're called to be single. Like Joseph, you don't manage Jesus. Jesus manages you. When it comes, when he comes into your life, you belong to him. Your decisions and your desires are surrendered to him. If Jesus is your hope this Christmas, count the cost. And so that's point number one. Point number two, the courage required to follow Jesus. Uh, Let's look at the courage required for Joseph. Mary's pregnant. Uh, Joseph knows he's not the dad. Very troubling. Imagine your fiancé is pregnant. You know it wasn't you. Very troubling. Uh, Early in our text, Joseph decides to break off the engagement quietly. So he could take her to court and clear his own name, but he doesn't want to do that. He wants to quietly settle things. Because that's what a righteous man in those days was to do. Uh, But an angel shows up and says what? Marry her. Marry her. The angel says, this is God's doing. What does Joseph do? It's hard for us to understand the weight of this. Uh, Joseph, he marries her. Uh, And... Doing, in doing this, one commentator said, Joseph and Mary are going to be shamed. They're going to be socially excluded. They're going to be second-class citizens. Why? Joseph knows this. No one will believe that it was the Holy Spirit. No one's going to believe that. Either they had sex before marriage, which is a really shameful thing to do in this culture, or Mary was unfaithful to Joseph. So, there's, there's this cost. If, if Joseph is going to tell the truth that it's the Holy Spirit, and if this is just going to happen, there's just going to be a cost, and he's going to have to have courage. So, so, imagine Joseph talking to his buddies. He's talking to his buddies. Oh, I can explain. She's pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Imagine you're his friend. You're his friend. And what do you think when you hear him say, the Holy Spirit did it? What do, you, what do you think? How gullible are you, buddy? <laughs> like, honestly, how gullible are you? I mean, come on, Joseph. Joseph discovers early on that having Jesus in his life means social suicide. What's the application to you and I 2,000 years later? If you want Jesus in your life, if you want Jesus in your life, it's going to take a lot of courage. It's going to take a lot of courage. Uh, you're, if you're a business owner, if you're just another guy on the afternoon shift, if you're a professional this morning, you're going to need courage. 
when Jesus comes up, and Jesus is going to come up. Like three months ago, I was, it wasn't even Christmas season, I was out for dinner with a bunch of my neighbors, and we're just having a good time, and all of a sudden, we're talking about religion, all of a sudden it kind of comes up in life, and, and someone says, because uh, they find out I'm a Christian, I'm a pastor, and they say, you actually believe, Joseph, or you actually believe that the Holy Spirit impregnated Mary? Come on, come on. And normally respectful, this person said in a mocking tone, I'm sure Joseph had no part in it. Give me a break, right? Like the person just started mocking me in the, in the middle of the social thing, right? If you hold on to Jesus, there's a lot of people who just won't understand. They just won't get it. And, and that's something that just comes with saying you're a Christian. Uh, It may not mean social suicide, uh, but in many cases, your reputation will suffer. So you go to that party, and everyone else is getting drunk. And maybe that's what you used to do. You don't. It's going to take some courage to just kind of do your own thing there, out of your love for Jesus and what he commands you to do. Uh, you could be at a family gathering, and friends or family could be like, hey, look, you know what? You're taking this church thing, this Jesus thing, a bit too seriously. It's going to take courage to say, you know what? Christ is my Lord. I, I, I love Jesus. You know, this is the purpose and meaning of my life. It's going to take some courage. Uh, it's going to take some courage if, you know, you, you have this missional family gathering where you're all getting together for a social, and you kind of, should I invite my neighbor? Shouldn't I? It's going to take some courage. Uh, it's going to take some courage if you want to live this hope this Christmas. Uh, so is this hope only hardship? We're talking about counting the cost. We're talking about courage. Let's look at the comfort of this hope. I have an aunt who says, uh, you know, the Bible's kind of outdated. Uh, someone in the church should kind of rewrite it. Uh, she was raised in the church, and she still goes to church. Uh, but does she have a point? Are the old stories like this one, are they outdated? Are they still relevant? Is the virgin birth, does that make sense? Does Jesus' birth speak into a world of divorce courts and cancer cells and Trump political confusion? Uh, can hope in Jesus relieve job loss and loneliness and addiction? Can this hope account for failing health, for unbelief, for guilt, for depression, for death? Perhaps for you, there's no personal joy this season because you don't, not because you don't want it, but presently you know the kinds of pain that just crush joy. I want to say a gentle word. Uh, you're not alone. Uh, this is Joseph's experience. Uh, in the text, we see this pain before we see the good news. We see Joseph's confusion uh, as to what his wife has done. She got herself pregnant for some unknown reason. We see Joseph counting the cost of social suicide, but then he takes courage 
and he puts his hope in God and not his reputation. But then he loses control. He doesn't get to name his own kid. But then things get worse. They actually get worse. The next chapter, things get worse for Joseph. Uh, he needs to flee his land. Uh, Matthew 2.13 says, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee. The king of the day is threatened by this baby who's been prophesied to be the future king. And so there's this kind of refugee moment, uh, if you will, where there, there's many unknowns Joseph didn't plan for, and now he needs to take his pregnant fiance and leave all they know. Now he needs to take this baby and leave all they know, including nearly all their material possessions, and flee for asylum to another country. So what's the application? Joseph's hope found an anchor in a deep place amidst the unknowns. So Joseph's life, uh, it can in some ways be an example to us. Uh, he had these unknowns, and he had to still have his hope anchored. And so your hope and mine and our comfort is not in being comfortable. Our greatest hope is not in the absence of wounds and loss. Our greatest hope is not in the food and the presence and the holiday cheer. Our greatest hope is in the presence of Christ, our Emmanuel, God with us. So can you cling to this hope? Can you cling to this Christ? Can you cling to him for courage uh, when someone says, you really believe the Holy Spirit did it? Can you cling to him uh, when in the face of death? Can you cling to him uh, in the midst of all the unknowns of your life? In a six-year span, $41 billion went unused in these gift cards. But how much of God's hope right now is remaining unused? To those who are crying, uh, which is many of us this morning after the passing of Emo, uh, the one who's virgin-born is able to say, to you that those tears will not have the last word. So in this season, we can cry. And many, we, we can cry with Pauline, uh, with the Galen Camp family. But let's cry knowing that those tears, they don't define us. They don't ultimately define us. As the angel said to Joseph, fear not. Fear not that these things have the last word. Advent, we've been talking about using this word advent. It's a time in which we remember that tears don't have the last word. We have a God who's not just, if we had a God who was just powerful and holy, uh, he would have just demanded that we fix ourselves that we get our act together, that we work on our relationship with him. And an all-loving God would have just kind of embraced us. The biblical God in this text says that he will save us from our sins. 
the idea is that sin can't be ignored. Uh, God's so loving that he knows that we couldn't get our act together. We couldn't be good enough. We couldn't reach out and cling to him. So he decides to come down to us. One writer said God had to come to us and do what we couldn't do. He doesn't just send someone. He doesn't just send a committee. He doesn't just send some preacher to say some words. Uh, he comes himself. And so we're, we're going to celebrate communion. Um, before we do, uh, prior to coming to Christ, so we, in, in, the, in this message, you kind of hear the word of grace, but then it's at the table that we respond to that word of grace. Uh, I just want to explain a little bit of the beauty of this meal. The very beginning of the Bible, you have Adam and Eve turning their backs on God. And it's summarized in one word. They took and they ate. And these words kind of summarize this, the, the, that, in, that introduction of suffering and sorrow and death. But this Christ child who we're celebrating uh, took those words of death from Adam and Eve where they took and they ate, and he turned those words of death into words of life. Listen to these words from Matthew 26, 26 to 28. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat. This is undoing that taking and eating that Adam and Eve, our first parents, did. Take and eat. This is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. When we eat and drink, we anticipate this heavenly feast of Christ's coming kingdom, that second coming of Jesus that I was telling the children about. Um, that second coming of Jesus when death will be swallowed up. If you believe like Emo did, that Jesus is your hope, that Jesus lived a perfect life that you could not live and died the death that you deserve and rose from the dead conquering death and that when you die, you go and you also conquer death in Jesus and are raised with Jesus. If you believe that, then this meal is for you. Um, if you're here today and you've never put your hope in Jesus, then this meal is not for you. If you're here today and you've decided that you hate a brother or sister, that you don't want to be reconciled with a certain person, then this meal is not for you. Um, this vertical relationship, to have this, to, to be forgiven of your God, you need to have a commitment in your heart to forgive your neighbor. Uh, so that's a very, very important piece in this invitation. Before you come up here, examine your heart. Uh, remember uh, Christ's invitation to you. Remember Christ's presence with you in your life right now. He's present 
right now with you. Remember that uh, before you come up. Just take a moment. And then I'd like to invite groups of about 15, 20 to come up and we'll partake of the Lord's Supper.